that's where you'd like it to be. Uh, I guess. Got all right? Everybody here all right? Okay. Well, when Brother Hink asked me to, to preach, I wasn't as sick as I got after he asked me. And I was down almost two weeks with a bad cold and still not up to par. <clears throat> and um, most of the time, preachers can say, I milk a lot of cows, but I churn my own butter. What does that mean? We have a lot of resources that we look at, but the message actually is developed by us and not somebody else. So we milk a lot of cows, but we churn our own butter. And um, this week it wasn't quite that way, and I had to go to Dillon's and buy my butter. And so um, the message I've given is not original with me. Nevertheless, I feel it's God's message for, uh, for us this morning. And we're going to talk about compassion. And um, Pastor Hink has been preaching a lot about service, about opportunities, about what we, um, we need to do as Christians to show our faith and uh, to help others. And um, compassion is really the basis for what we do as sons of daughters, sons and daughters of God, and uh, show people really who Jesus is. But sometimes um, we have the idea that, um, um, well, I've got to do it. It's part of my duty. I've got to do it. And other times we do things because we do them out of guilt. You know, if I don't do this, I'm, you know, I'm just not doing the right thing, so I better do it. And other times uh, we do things and we serve because what are other people going to think? They expect me to do it, so I better be there to do it. And other times uh, we're pushed into doing it. Ever get pushed into doing something you really didn't want to do, even as a Christian, but you were pushed into do it? And sometimes we serve just because it feels good. I feel good because I'm, I'm doing it. And most of the time, any of these things are not really because of real compassion, but rather they're, they're things that we in our human nature tend to uh, do and say and the way we tend to perform. Now, some people think that showing compassion, I'm real compassion toward people, is, is a weakness rather than something that is really, really shows a strong uh, Christian commitment. Sometimes they feel, well, they're, they're weak and they're soft, and that's why they're always doing something for others. And um, rather than seeing that real compassion is a strength, a strength of character, and it's a strength that we really need to possess um, as Christians. And the world today, I think um, we see a lot of... Um, a lot of activity, a lot of people that show very little compassion. We look around us, we hear news, we hear a lot of things, and uh, really the, the sad reality is that a lot of people just don't care about anybody else other than how it's going to affect them 
and what is going to be good for them or their family. And um, the word compassion really means to be moved inwardly or to yearn with tender mercy, affection, and to show empathy and to feel. And so the capacity to, to share feelings and uh, the feelings of others and to have that desire to really, really help others. It comes from our heart. It comes from, uh, as the, the word means, moved with compassion. It's moved from the very bottom of our heart to do things for people. And when we read in the Gospels, we know that Jesus had, had great compassion. Uh, Jesus was moved by his inner being to, to help others and to, to satisfy the needs that others had. And this morning, I think we really need to see in the church also that we need to do things because we have the, the love of Christ and the compassion that Christ has shown within us. Now, we know that Jesus uh, was both God, divine, and human. He was man. He was both man and God. And yet, he did not have that, um, that human nature. That uh, He was God in the flesh, and, um, he, but he was not encumbered with a fallen nature. He was not selfish. He was not self-centered. And um, the, the faults of other people were not something that he necessarily criticized, but he saw what was really in the hearts of the people. And in the New Testament, we find uh, a lot of what God really is through Christ because um, we see the, uh, the love of God uh, through Christ. We see uh, truly the, the compassion, the mercy, uh, of Christ, and um, uh, especially uh, when we look at um, at uh, John one eighteen, it says that no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who Himself, who in Himself, is God. Jesus is God, and so the love of God is the same love that Jesus showed when He was here on Earth. And again, he said in, in John fourteen nine. he said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Anyone who has seen me, Jesus says, has seen the Father. So Jesus was able to show love. He was able to show true compassion because he himself, he himself was God and was able to show infinite love and compassion. In order to, to sort of give a, an example of, of what, uh, what Jesus would do and uh, what sometimes other religions or our own Christian take on things uh, shows a little different things about what the true Christian does, what the, what the Christ-centered Christian does. And a man fell into a pit and he couldn't get out. There was no way he, he just couldn't pull himself out. And so a Christian scientist came by and he said, you only think you're in a pit. Mind over matter. You only think you're in a pit. A Pharisee came along 
And he said, only bad people fall into a pit. And a fundamentalist who was very, well, he lacked compassion, really. He said, you deserve to be in a pit. And the charismatic said, just confess that you're not in a pit. Now, Methodists came along, and we know who they are. We bought you some food and clothing while you're in the pit. Now, Presbyterian, of course, who are very uh, inclined to believe in predestination, that was no accident, you know. And the optimist says, things could be worse. And the pessimist says, things are going to get worse. Okay? But what does Jesus do? Jesus reaches down and pulls them out of the pit. That's the compassion that Jesus has. But some of us react in some of these ways, don't we? We hear people that have problems and difficulties, and we say, well, you chose. That's your problem. Have you ever done that? I know I have. I know a person who married, a person who married someone they never should have married. Everybody told them not to. They did. And they had problems all the way along. And what do we say? You chose. It's your fault. Put up with it. Right? And don't even try, try and help or do anything that really can help them. But Jesus had compassion because he was God. And the love of God was in him. And, and therefore, he was able to show compassion. Now, Jesus also showed compassion because um, he, his life was very difficult. His life here on earth was very, very difficult. Um, in Matthew eight twenty, it says, if I have it right, well, John 14, 9, first of all. Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you as a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Because Jesus himself was the Father. But in Matthew eight twenty, he says, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus was poor. Jesus did not live in luxury when he was here on earth. Jesus had a hard time while he was here. A lot of things fell on him that, um, that no one else perhaps have, has gone through. And we, sometimes we see the homeless around us and they suffer uh, just as often Jesus suffered. And in John 19... We see that they divided his clothes among, and they cast lots for his clothes. What he had on his back was all he had as far as clothing was concerned. And then in, in, uh, we also find out that uh, he was lonely. And um, that uh, uh, when, when the disciples went away, he was by himself. He was all by himself. And many times it says that, even in Matthew 14, 23, after he had sent them and they had gone away, later that night he was there alone. And we know when he died on the cross, his, fa his father God actually left him there alone. In Mark 14, 20, 
It says everyone deserted him and fled. Jesus suffered loneliness. He was alone. And then he was despised, hated, and rejected of men. It's really hard to to realize all the things that Jesus went through, the temptations that that he suffered, and nevertheless, he showed love and compassion to others around about him. In Matthew 9.36, we see that when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. When Jesus saw the people around him, he couldn't help but feel compassion because of the way that they were living. And I think sometimes we have to realize that today. We look all around us and see how our neighbors, friends, classmates, fellow workers, we look around us and we see how they're living and we say, how in the world can they ever put up with what's going on? And how are we going to put up with what's going on? And yet Jesus, he felt compassion for those who were scattered. And he felt, he felt the need to, to do something for them. And, and he, he did all possible. And in Matthew 15, 32 also, he, he said when, when the, um, the people were there, they were hungry. I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days, have nothing to eat. I do not want them sent away hungry or they may collapse on the way. And yet the disciples said, can't we just send them away and we eat the food? The disciples didn't always see, as we'll see later, what Jesus saw. In Mark 5, we find that Jesus also had compassion for the sinner. Remember when he restored the demon-possessed man? The man was unable to do anything to help himself. And yet Jesus, because of the sin in the man's life, was able to reach out and to care for the man in a special way. And um, it's, it's all the way through, we see in so many ways how that Jesus was able to help others because he can, had compassion on them. Those who were sinning, those who were scattered that had no, no help at all. And then, of course, there are those who, who were sick. In Matthew 14, 14, when Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them. And what did he do? He healed their sick. I don't know about you folks, but have you ever been called by someone and said, pray for me, I really, really am sick. I really, really have a need. And you prayed for them. And within hours or within days, they said, because you prayed, I know God answered and I'm well again. We have had some experiences that way. Not that we're anybody special, but the power of God through prayer, because of the faithfulness of his people, God answers prayer and people can be healed. We believe that, don't we? Don't we? 
Yes. Especially as free Methodists, evangelical Methodists also. We believe that there is power in prayer to help the sinner find the way and also to help the sick one be healed. Now in Luke 7, we also find that um, uh, Jesus, as he saw the widow, remember the widow who was, who had the lo- whose son had died, when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to, to her and he said, don't cry. Compassion for those who are suffering. Compassion for those who are suffering. Sometimes it just takes a listening ear. But sometimes people who are suffering a loss of a loved one, a loss of a job, loss of of something where they're really, really suffering, they look to the church, they look to us and say, help me, what can I do? What do you have that will help restore the feeling that I need to have and the love of God that he needs to to have from me. And so we have the, the need to help those who are suffering. And then also he had compassion for those who were, who were looking, looking to him. In Mark 10, remember the rich man, the kingdom of God? And the rich man said, well, Lord, what do I need to do? And the Lord said, sell all that you have and come and follow me. And the man went away, sadly, and Jesus looked at him and loved him. In spite of rejecting the answer that God gave him for what he had to do, what did he do? He left, he went away. But Jesus still looked at him and Jesus still loved him. Sometimes we need to see that also in our own lives. That we need to see that sometimes people are in desperate, desperate need. And we give them some advice. We try and help them along. We try and do things for them. And yet, they reject it. And so what do we do? I'm not going to help them anymore. I'm going to give up on them. They just don't want to hear it. So I'm not going to even talk to them. I may pray for them, but I'm not going to talk with them. Jesus never gives up on us. Never gives up on us. And his compassion and his love is what makes us also not want to give up. We need to look past the exterior. We need to look past what people say, what people sometimes think, and really look at their their need so that we can really express uh, compassion to them. Stephen Covey was a man who had an unusual experience when he was a New York subway. People were sitting quietly in the subway. They were all tired. They, were, they had had a you know, big day's work, and they wanted to be quiet and everything. And this man gets on the subway with his children. And the children are rambunctious. You know how kids can be. You know, I'm glad we don't have any more any grandchildren, you know can be rambunctious and can do things that we don't really approve of. 
But this man sat down and he just closed his eyes and leaned back in the chair. And the kids were just making all kinds of chaos in the subway. And so Stephen Covey goes over to the man and he said, listen, um, you know, your children are sort of messing things up around here. Uh, we don't really appreciate all of the, that's going on. Yeah, I wish you'd do something about it. And so the man opened his eyes and he looked around and he said, all right, I guess you're right. I guess I uh, should do something about it. We just came from the hospital where their mother died about an hour ago. I don't know what to think, and I guess my kids don't know how to handle it either. And Stephen Covey had a different perspective on why people do the things they do and the way that they do them. And sometimes that's what we need to do. We need to know what's going on before we criticize and before we reject. But we need to look into the lives of other people and say, I can help you through this. Let me help, let me take one of your kids. I remember when I was going to Costa Rica, and this was a long time ago, 1965. And I was on my way to Costa Rica on the, um, on Pan American Airways. Remember Pan American? Anybody remember Pan American Airlines? <laughs> That's a long time ago. And um, we were on our way to Costa Rica, and um, they, they announced that um, the pilots had gone on strike, and we were going to land in Guatemala City instead of in San Jose, Costa Rica. So we landed in Guatemala City, and the pilot said, uh, you're on your own. We're going to put you up in a hotel for one night, and from there on, we'll see what happens. And he left us. And so there we are in a hotel. I was there and another couple, and this couple had three little boys, about 10, 8, and 6, something like that. And so we stayed in the hotel one night, and we, we talked to a travel agent. He said, well, we can't do anything about it. We can't get you out of town right now. You're going to have to go, go stay here. So we stayed two nights there. And so finally the travel agent called us and says, okay, we've got a flight out to Costa Rica. Get ready to go. So we did. This couple with their three boys and I, and we got on this, um, this airplane, and the weather was really, really, really bad. I mean really bad. And we're on this plane going from Guatemala City to, to San Jose, Costa Rica. And the kids started getting sick. And, you know, when kids get sick, there's not much you can do about it. You know, you can put your, mouth, your hand over their mouth, but God doesn't do a lot of good. It'll come out their nose. And so, anyway, we were, we were there trying to take care. And so I took one, I took the oldest boy... And the father had one and the mother had the other. And we were nursing these three kids as we were going through this terrible storm. And neither, none of us, the three of us, could afford to get sick because we were trying to take care of the kids, right? And so sometimes it, it, it shows in, in our reaction, in our actions, that why are these kids getting sick? What's wrong with them? when we know that we're getting sick too because of the circumstances and the things that are going on around about us. And so we've got to look past just the kids getting sick, but we've got to find out why and what's going on and how we can help them and baby them through some of the circumstances. We do that with our own kids. Kids cry for a reason, sometimes. Sometimes they just cry. 
right? And you offer them something and all of a sudden they just quit crying, just like that. But we have to find the reason and what's, what's going on and to help people to really do that. Now Jesus, when, when he was showing compassion, as he did to so many people, in so many ways, he also was showing compassion because he wanted the disciples to also learn compassion. Remember when, um, when, they, when uh, they went to the, um, the Samaritan village in Luke 9.54. And uh, when, when the disciples saw what was going on, Jesus and John, they asked, the, they asked the Lord, Do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? That was the attitude of the disciples in those days. They didn't have the full compassion of Christ. And so he was trying to show them compassion by the things that he did and the way that he acted. He tried to show them compassion. And um, uh, another time, uh, in Mark 6.34, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, so he began teaching them many things. Jesus was always showing compassion, trusting and hoping that the disciples would also see what he was doing, the way he was doing, and that they would also be like him. Because the disciples really did not see the need, the interior need of the people. And they were too caught up in living the way they were living. They were happy Jesus was there. And they were following Jesus. And they couldn't be concerned about a lot of the other people around them. And they had no thought of reaching outside of their circle and helping other people. And sometimes I think that we can be the same way in our church. We can be so concerned about the people within our circle. And we're so happy to minister within our circle that we never get out of our circle. We never get away. And Jesus really wants to show us that because of his compassion and of what he can do within us, that um, our lives matter and other people's lives matter as well or should matter to us. But sometimes what doesn't, doesn't touch us personally, we just put it to one side and we don't care about it. Now we know the, the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10. And um, you know the good, the good Samaritan, the parable, and all the different uh, priests and scribes, they went, didn't do what, um, uh, what should have been done, but the Samaritan did take care of this person uh, that the thieves had, had come along and robbed. And so when, when Jesus asked the the, the Pharisees, which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. And it's not an idea, the idea of just identifying what other people are doing, but it's also doing what we know that Jesus wants us to do. And the prodigal son, what did the father do when he saw the son coming? 
while he was still along when the son came back, the father got up, he went, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He never lost sight of his son in spite of what his son was doing and the way his son lived. I think some of us go through some of that. Grandparents, parents, the way our kids live sometimes really, really, really gets to us. Right? And yet, just like this father, he didn't give up on his son. And when he saw his son coming back, he was right there to greet him, to grab onto him, and to have a real, real celebration because his son had come back. There's a story like, um, that talks about a, a banker and um, this real, real, real poor man. He didn't have a, a lot of money, but he went to the bank and he wanted a, um, he asked for a loan from the bank officer. And the officer said, well, I, I'll tell you something. I have a glass eye. One of my eyes is a glass eye and one is a regular physical eye. He says, if you can tell me which eye is a glass eye, I'll give you the loan. And so the man looked at him and looked at him and looked at him. And he said, um, uh, your left eye, that's your good eye. And the banker said, right, how did you know? He says, because I see compassion in your right eye. The left eye was the good eye, but the compassion was in the glass eye. And how about us? Are we able to show people compassion to their because were they able to recognize compassion within us? Ephesians 4:32 says, "Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ. God forgave you. And Galatians 5.22, of course, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, patience. Those are the things that, that God wants to produce within us that we can really show compassion to to other people. Now Jesus, of course, as I say, was teaching them compassion, showing them compassion, and he tells us that we also, and, and he provides for us the means uh, of compassion. But sometimes we don't do anything for those in need because they don't ask. Sometimes we see people in need. We see what's happening. We see what's going on. But if they don't ask for help, I'm not going to help them. Some of the people Jesus helped, it was because they asked for help. But others, they did not ask. And yet he still reached out and helped them. And I think that's what we also need to see. Now, not only did Jesus um, want to teach them uh, to what, how, through what he did to help others... But he wanted them, after he taught them, uh, 
He wanted them to be also involved in the ministry and become part of, of the teaching. And uh, when we read in, um, we read the, the golden rule that many of us have, um, have uh, learned uh, many, 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 many times, what, do unto others as you would have others do unto them, do unto you, right? Do unto you. And uh, almost every religion has a similar saying as this. The Buddhists say, this is the sum of duty. Do not to others which have done to you would cause you pain. Do unto others, or do not do unto others, which if they did it unto you would cause you pain. The Jewish faith, what is hateful to you, do not do to your fellow man. And then, other of the Eastern faiths, whatever is disagreeable to yourself, do not do unto others. The Buddhists say, do not hurt others with that which pains yourself. And Socrates said, do not do unto others what angers you if done to you by others. All of these are, are negative sayings. Do not do, do not do, do not do, do not do. But what does Jesus say? Do what? Unto others as you would have others do unto you. The difference is a positive. A positive reflection of the power of God within us. To do unto others as you would have them do unto you. All of these other religions is don't do, don't do, don't do, don't do, don't do. And Christ says do. Do the positive. Do the good. Do what by the nature that God has given to us. The things that are good for others. And that will actively reach to others. There's, a, there's another illustration, a story about a businessman and his wife that were very, very tired. They um, put a lot into their business, their church, their family, and they were really, really tired out and they needed some R&R. And so they went to this beach resort and they were there and there was a, a terrible, terrible storm that came up and the storm was about to almost wash the resort away. And finally, it, it, it subsided, and so the man got, up, got to thinking, you know, my problems are just like this storm. But the storm then, like I say, when it, uh, when it stopped, he went out onto the beach early in the morning, and he saw all these um, sea stars. We used to call them starfish, but they're not fish, right? But they're sea stars. So anyway, he went to... He saw all these sea stars. Then he sees this little boy walking down the beach also. And this little boy is picking up the sea stars and throwing them back into the ocean, one by one. And this fellow walks up to the little boy and he says, you know, it's, you can't possibly throw all of these sea stars back into the ocean. There's just no way. Look at how many there are. And he picked up another one. He threw it back into the ocean. He says, you know, why are you doing, you know, it's just impossible. And the boy said, that's true, it's impossible. But he said, 
as he threw the starfish back in and it sank into the water, he says, but it sure made a difference to that starfish. It sure made a difference to that one, even though he couldn't do it to everybody, every one of them. And so it is with us. Sometimes it's only one amongst the many, many that have needs amongst us, but God shows us the one through which our ministry is going to make a big difference. I believe that today God really wants us to, to have the, the, the compassion of Christ and to, to know Christ in such a way and be such in, in commune with him that when the opportunities come up that Pastor Hank has talked about and a lot of things that come into our life because of the love of Jesus and the compassion of Jesus within us makes us react and do those things which are pleasing uh, pleasing to him. And uh, I know that a lot of the times we don't understand just what God has and just how he's going to do it, but we know that he has power to work within our lives to do that which is good and that which is right. In Galatians 6.2, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Uh, Matthew 5.16 In the same way let your light shine before others that they may say your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And 1 John 3 says If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words and speech, but with actions and in truth. That's hard to do. But that's the teachings of Christ. And that's what the love of Christ does within us. The love of God constrains us to do those things which are pleasing to him. So as we think about the messages that that Pastor Hank has been giving and the need to to perform many of the activities and duties here in the church and in the community, let's realize that we must do it, not because of duty or guilt or because of what other people think or because we're pushed into it or because it feels good to do it, but because the compassion and love of Christ is what really makes us act and react to the situations around us. The compassion and the love of Jesus makes a big difference in our lives and the lives of others. And remember the starfish. It might just be one, but it makes a big difference to them, even though it may not to others. Let's pray, shall we?